Hey, this is Andrew Pierno, and welcome to Fun Stuff, Episode 4. Today we're talking with Nick Fogel. He sold a company called Wave, and I wanted to ask him about any of the kind of lessons learned from going through a sale. I, I refer to it as the second time around a lot throughout the episode, but it's actually his third. Him, Baird, and another gentleman that they uh, partnered with. But we go through a lot of legal stuff, and none of the things that we say should be construed as legal advice. Do your own research. But we talk about the ways that we've set things up, uh, the way that he has set his new company up, and some other ideas around how to get help for this stuff, because I know it's not quite as easy as going on Upwork and finding some random contractor to do stuff, but we Nick has some good ideas on how to find good people to get this kind of legal work figured out at the beginning so that you don't pay the sometimes hefty tax burden at the, at the sale. So with all the disclosures out of the way, please enjoy my conversation with Nick Fogel. So I'm here today with Nick Fogel. He is one of the co-founders of his new company, Churnkey. But we're going to be talking about uh, the sale of Wave and the stuff that he's learned setting up his new company this time as a second time founder. And yeah, let's get into it. So I'd love to just start with, are there any kind of, let's start with company formation stuff since we were just chatting about that before this. What are some of the, how did you guys set up your first company, Wave, that got sold? Was that just a, an LLC? Yeah. And I'll level with you. I'm an attorney. So none of this is legal advice. If anybody's listening, it really is going to be specific to your situation. But you know, even with the legal background, the company that we had before Wave, I made all the mistakes that you could possibly make, even with the legal training, the way we formed it. And then inevitably, like that company, nothing happened. And we were lucky that company fizzled out. But what we built that became well, Wave, we just created a South Carolina LLC. Let me talk about the rationale because I know there's a lot of people out there that prefer the C-Corp. It's more predictable for uh, getting venture money. And there are some tax benefits to do that if you're a founder and you are going to stay there for a set number of years. Um, so for Wave, the LLC was, was ideal because it's very easy to set up. You can file a uh, form with the Secretary of State for pretty much any state. And uh, it's a small fee, simple application. As long as you don't have a felony, like you're going to get approved. And then you have your, you're insulated from, from most liability that could arise. You can get your bank account and, and everything like that. We didn't want a C-Corp at this point because we didn't think this was going to be anything. Like we didn't think Wave would turn into a million dollar a year business. We thought the best case scenario, like maybe this is something that can pay our mortgages, like a side project, indie hacker thing. And this was like before bootstrapping was as popular as it is. These days it might make more sense depending on the company, but yeah, that's how we started. And I never really felt the need to, to change our, our filing status or our incorporation. There could be some better, depending on what happens with the uh, capital gains tax this year, that one may really come back to bite me. I actually don't think we meet the length, like the duration criteria though for the qualified tax. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens wise and how that might impact some people. But for you guys with that LLC, doing a C-Corp, I have a C-Corp for a project and payroll taxes just for myself are extremely unpalatable. I'll put it that way. It, it's, it's, Is it uh, Delaware or a different state? I, I foolishly did a California C-Corp for one oh, of the things. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I'm in California. There's no two ways about me paying yeah. California, but... But this is like what you do with startups. Like you, you don't know any better. Like I said, I paid six figures to get a legal education, took the bar exam, became an attorney, even did some transactional law. And 
like I went out and I made the worst entity choice I could have. Initially, we didn't even have a business entity when we were starting this first project. We didn't have any wealth. So I guess I was less concerned about somebody suing us at that point. But uh, the, so let me just talk you guys through this. Like the mistake we made, so we had, we didn't have a bank account. We were just funding it ourselves, which a lot of founders do. Um, so there was like, even once we created the business entity, there was no partition, like you could easily pierce that corporate veil and be like, this business entity is a sham. These guys are just front paying it out of their own checkbooks. So that was another thing that was like, like I should have known this. And a lot of people probably get into that situation. And unless you have an advisor or somebody that's done it before, that's step one, create a, a business entity and then create your bank account. Like you've got to do those two things or else you know, down the road, you, that could really cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, I actually got advised to create uh, a C-Corp for a number of different reasons. And again, you said it at the top and it bears repeating, like this is not legal advice, but with software in particular, it's very important to get some guidance around what constitutes like a capital gain sale and what does not constitute a capital gain sale. And one of the, mm -hmm. again, not legal advice, et cetera, but one of the ways, as far as I understand, to guarantee that there is a cap gains treatment at the end of all this, if you do get acquired, is to just have the acquiring company buy the shares of a C corporation. And that becomes mm -hmm. very, that is very clearly a, a capital gains event versus a lot of the stuff that we've done, for example, are asset sales. And so that is traditionally, right. if you have built the software, not necessarily automatically a cap gains treatment. However, if you buy the software and then resell it, even as an asset, just a pure asset sale, that can get some kind of capital gains treatment. So consult with your people, all that stuff. But that, that's, that took me a lot of legal conversations and a few grand to figure out. So there you go. Yeah, that's, that's great because we had the same thing where like we listened to an advisor and this advisor like meant, he meant well, <clears throat> But he also didn't understand that we were not, this was our first company. It's called Utah Sports. It was like Clubhouse back in 2016 before audio was really popular. Only difference is we didn't have live streaming. It was like Reddit for um, audio. Really cool. We had a lot of people sign up. The business never went anywhere. It wasn't something that we could monetize, particularly because we couldn't raise VC money. But our advisor at the time, like just had no idea that we were totally inept and incapable of raising VC money. He was like, you guys, the reason you're not get, being taken seriously is because you're not a Delaware C-Corp. You need to do that and then make sure it's clear when you're having these conversations. We live in little Charleston, South Carolina. We don't live in the Bay Area, but we're a Delaware. It ended up that we had all these huge franchise taxes we had to pay. And then like we forgot to file something or maybe it was like an issue of dissolution where we didn't dissolve that company properly. And I think Delaware is probably still after us. I hope nobody from Delaware is listening. But uh, yeah, so actually that's why we did a LLC the next time was because the C-Corp process was such a nightmare. And we tried to get one of these e-council guys. I think it was like one of these, I don't know if it was Rocket Lawyer or something like that. What we should have done is gotten a, a local attorney, which is what we, we ended up doing before we sold Wave that specializes in incorporation and tax issues. And they could have helped us to avoid a lot of those mistakes. And for anybody listening, I, can't, I cannot emphasize that enough. Like you can pay 250, maybe $500 max to just sit down with an attorney and have a consult and explain your business, what your intention is for that business. And they can help to recommend that, which structure is best. Because an LLC is, is awesome. It's easy to set up. A lot of benefits to running as an LLC. But if you're a certain type of business that wants to raise venture money, or if you want certain tax treatment down the road, uh, you're going to be much better off creating a, a C-Corp. There are indie hacker versions of accountants and lawyers that are just starting out. And they're young, and they're hungry, and they're trying to set up a business just like you are. 
and they're willing to work with you on stuff. And it took me a long time to get a good accountant, to get a good like legal team. But all these guys are just entrepreneurs themselves and they get that we're all hustling together. And so you don't have to go to an H&R block. That's, I don't know. Right, right. That's not, that's not what you're getting into. You can find like good, cool people that are really out there hustling and they'll work with you. So it doesn't have to be crazy expensive to do this. The great thing about it too, is it, it can be very convenient if you find if it, like up council is a great one that I recommend. Now I used up council. I had an issue with another company I was involved with like equity treatment. And I had, a, it was a very complex issue with securities law. And I was able to get on up council. I had my kid was being born like the, the same day. So I was like super stressed out. I was like, I need somebody to talk to today. I'm about to go on paternity leave. I got to get this thing figured out. So I hired like a top tier, like New York securities lawyer had been doing it for 20 years. And I paid him like, I don't know, 300, $400 for two hours of his time. And like a detailed review of everything I did. Again, if you are taking your startup or your business seriously, like it's worth spending four or 500 bucks and even going to something like up counsel and, and identifying an attorney that would meet your needs. Yeah. And I don't want to keep laboring on this legal stuff. So I feel like we keep having to dance around really saying what we actually want to say about it. But the, I will say too, that, that on the C Corp thing, it's very easy to spend five years at a company, like a startup. And if you're even thinking about that qualified small business thing, you might want to consider a C Corp, which I didn't for a long time because of, of the complexity of managing the thing. And California is obnoxious about basically everything, LLC or, or C Corp, but it's very easy to just be like three years into a project and boom, if you have a C Corp, you're almost to that five-year mark for the qualified small business. I don't know. Kind of cool too. It's the, the tax code just makes me angry because I think about it and it's like, really like how much different is the, the C Corp structure? Like the, the intent of the people that are working in it, the small business in the C Corp and a lot of C Corps, it's not a publicly traded company. It's like going to be closely held. And if that's your intent, I could rail about the tax code for a long time, but uh, yeah. And I'll just give, I'll add my counterpoint with the, with LLCs. I think a lot of times I will recommend people consider LLC. Again, I never tell them you need to do this. I say you should look into an LLC because what I find is a lot of young founders are really eager and want to get started. And what they'll do, they'll just kick the can down the road and they'll never incorporate. They'll never have any kind of liability protection, contractual protection, all, all that nice umbrella that you get with that easy LLC. So I typically recommend people who are, or I'll tell people like you should consider LLC if they are a small planning to do a small lifestyle type business, something that's like a passive income play. Cause look like with Wave, a lot of our profits were profit distributions through a K-1. And having that ability to have the, the partnership tax treatment is really nice. And what we would do, this is a, a hack that we learned uh, as time went on, is we each have our own LLCs, like a personal LLC that we can do whatever we want through. I did some consulting through mine and also owned Wave through my LLC, but I opted for an S-Corp election through the LLC. And this is a really nice loophole that the they haven't closed yet. They keep saying they're going to close it, but the S corp loophole is people refer to it. You can um, avoid a lot of the, a lot of the tax burden by paying yourself a very small wage through the S corp. And then the rest comes out as a K one distribution. So that was something that we did with wave. That was, we didn't get some of the, the liquidation event benefits that we'd get if we had done the C corp, but over the course of wave, the profit distributions and the more favorable tax scheme, we were able to get through the, the LLC structure and like the flexibility to pay ourselves what we wanted through this simple LLC style partnership uh, structure. I think that had a lot of benefits. So those are some more complicated deep dives to talk to accountant about or talk to your legal advisor about. 
And switching gears here a little bit, I want to get off the legal stuff and, and maybe some other... <laughs> I, no, I, we could do a whole episode on that, but I, w- I would love to hear some of the other learnings that you've brought into this second go around, so to speak, after having gone through an actual sale, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about like what actually goes down when you sell your company. Some of it's, some of it's totally unsurprising. It's like very long and very boring. And there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of like boxes to check. But I think some of the pieces or some of the pieces of feedback that you probably got or intuited have brought you to make certain decisions about this new company that you maybe wouldn't have made or couldn't have known about had you not just gone through this process yourself. Yeah. There, it's a, you're always learning with, with something like a sale too. I generally had an idea of like how it was going to go down, but it, it's like when you decide to get a new car, like you want to go out and you research it and you learn everything about the new car. Like you thought you knew something about this model of the car, but then like, you're going to put money down. Like you've got skin in the game and you're going to learn all about it. That's how the sale was for me. It was always this, um, this far off goal. And I generally knew we do an asset sale probably and try to get as much treated for long-term capital gains treatment as we could and just the general outline. But um, yeah, like just going through it, we, we learned so much. And there are a few things I would probably do a little different. We lucked out and we did a lot of things right. If I could rewind the clock though, I think we, so Wave was like our first successful company and a first successful exit, but we, did, we had this other company before Wave called Utah sports. It was basically this media product we made that was like an early precursor to Clubhouse. And like I said already, we made every mistake you could make with that company, literally every mistake. And we, the, the product we made was good though. Like it was good tech. And we sold that. We actually sold the assets from, from that first business to an acquirer. And so during that process, I learned a lot about the tech and how difficult it can be to move technology. If somebody's going to buy your technical asset, like how do you build something to sell? Like how do you have it, your infrastructure and everything else planned and like what credit cards are on which, which accounts? Like if you're going to have to switch out in the future, like you better not have a personal credit card anywhere. You better not have, you better not have your cards mixed up or domains in the wrong places. So going through that was really valuable. So by the time we were like seriously building wave and we were at like maybe around 50,000 monthly recurring revenue, we started talking about the sale again. Let's think about selling this company because it's on a great trajectory. So we took a summer and me and one of our partners, Rob Moore, we spent three or four months just refactoring everything and just making sure everything was nice and isolated. And so that was like the technical side. And that made it really, if we hadn't done that, I would still be trying to transfer tech for Wave. Like we had so many code bases, so many pieces of infrastructure that we hadn't touched in a long time that run cron jobs and things like that. Like it would have been a, an utter nightmare. Like maybe the deal would have fell apart during due diligence or something. But I think going through that once before made me very well aware of like how time consuming it can be if you're not prepared for that. And also like just making sure our accounts were in order and our bank accounts were like clean because that stuff, we knew that stuff was going to have to be audited. I think if we had to do it again, so we spent a lot of times, a, a lot of time talking to brokers and this kind of goes into the mechanics of the sale, maybe less than the getting a company ready to sell. But I don't think we, I don't think we ever imagined that we were going to do it ourselves. We thought we would hire a broker and the broker would do everything for us. So we might've become a little too lackadaisical with our target off, like our target asking price. We had a general idea of what we wanted and we had like pretty rough financials. Like I'm not an accountant or a CPA, like I'm a finance nerd and had a lot of spreadsheets and things that I worked on with the future cash flows and projections. I think I would spend more time on that, getting that more formalized. And 
when we made up our minds that we were like willing to entertain conversations to sell, I think it would go much more smoothly if like we knew what our target and had all agreed on that beforehand, like all the partners agreed on it. And then really only take meetings that were serious enough to do that. Cause we talked to so many people and we'd get to the end of the call, everything would be going on and we'd make the mistake of like not being clear enough that we, we were not going to entertain anything lower. And we had a few people who were like half of what we wanted. Or one person was like, it was this crazy, like 10 year out <laughs> scheme of, of getting deferred payments. Yeah. It, I think there was a lot around the preparing for the sale itself, but mostly the technology. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. The biggest piece of learning I've had through these sales is getting your, all of your accounts and billables straightened out and orderly, make sure that you've got it in a single place. Like uh, we use LastPass, which was really good for helping to transfer passwords and do that in a secure way. But like, there was a lot of things that we could have done better and, and made it more organized. What about the team size? When Wave sold, how big was the team? Owners or like overall? Did I, I, did you guys have employees or was it just you two and a bunch of contractors? No. And this goes back to that LLC discussion we had where it was always like going to be a passive income, closely held business. I think there was an inflection point where we were like, do we double down and do we go all in? on this business or do we just take profits, continue to like do what we're doing well and grow this one niche area that we're really good at? Or do we expand out into other pieces of video? And we decided like the lifestyle was important to us at this time in our lives. Like we've got young kids. I was paying down law school loan or yeah, law school loans. And yeah, I think we had, so we had one guy who did support. He was pretty much full-time, but all we used was 1099 contractors because that made it easier. Sure. And, and that's something we'll still continue to do unless there was like a, you know, all-star employee that we needed to, to recruit. We had a marketing agency that did 20 hours a week, I think. And occasionally we'd hire an extra engineer or two just to help us with big projects. And the owners, there were just three of us. Baird and I started it and like we split the company between the two of us. And then a few years in, it became very clear that there was a huge dev need and I was just getting derailed with all the dev work that was there for me. And we were both trying to do consulting and keep the business alive. So we brought a third partner on, Rob Moore. And he was like, perfect. And we found him on Upwork. And at first it was just like a one-time contract. And we were like, this guy's really good. Let's see if we can give him equity and like a low, uh, a very low hourly rate because we couldn't afford to pay much at the time. And it just worked out, out really well. And now Rob is part of Turnkey. Like we're all partners still. That's pretty cool that relationship stayed intact. But yeah, to answer your question, there's just three of us and like a couple of contractors. And do you code or was it a no, was it no code? Oh, no, it was all code. Like it, it, it was, so back when we first, so we were the first ones to commercialize the Audiogram product, like Audiogram, when I say Audiogram, the ability to convert a podcast into video and making that something that is easy for a non-technical person to do. So initially, like, that's a cool story. WNYC, which is like a really big podcast organization. I think they have Radio Lab and some others. They had this guy and he created this tool that allowed you to do this basic thing where you plot a audio waveform on a video and you could do a custom background. That's an audiogram. And at the time I was like, our, our company was failing. That first company I've been talking about, Utah. I was like, we got to find a way to get these users, like our platform users, like engaged. So maybe we can turn all their posts into videos and put them on social and it'll be stickier or something. Cause I found that repo and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this like little hacky thing, sit up all night and put this thing together. And it turned out like our customers didn't really care about that, but we had other people saying, how are you making these? And we got into the, the, GitHub repository for WNYC. And all these people were like, 
hey, can somebody help me like deploy this? It was like a Docker thing. It was very complicated to deploy. And most of the people wanting to do this were creatives who had who weren't technical at all. Interesting. So um, yeah, immediately, like it was just an IP address at first. It was like, I told Barrett, I was like, it's at 192 dot whatever. So like, we got we got up to like $500 in MRR by having customers go to this IP address. Like they would pay us with a WordPress plugin that we had on our marketing site. And then we would upload their design assets. And I taught Baird how to commit a image asset to GitHub or like the link to S3 to GitHub. And so he'd get a customer, they'd pay, commit their design to, to GitHub. It would auto deploy. And then behind the scenes, like this dropdown populates and they have their design. There was no login, no anything. That's like how humble the beginnings of Wave were because we just sunk all this time into a product that like totally flopped and failed. Like yeah. I was like not about to go ham on engineering for something else. What it uses is FFmpeg and a number of other technologies to plot waveforms like D3, Node Canvas, a lot of these open source libraries. And it's pretty heavy lifting behind the scenes. And we were the first ones to commercialize it. There were a few competitors that came out five or six months later. And then we were able to figure out a way to make it to run videos at scale and do these really long videos and generate them really quickly with like a fan out architecture. Yeah, like we were definitely innovators there and it, it wasn't trivial at first. I think now it's become more commoditized. So if you don't already have a huge market share, it's going to be hard to break into that. But yeah, I built it all for that first year and a half until Rob joined. Damn, I didn't realize that. That's awesome, man. And I, lo I love the idea of, of searching for... Um problems instead of going on like reddit or twitter like you go on github and find weird situations where yeah. like on developers asking like yo i need this how do i do this and obviously it's github that's not the place for that i i think that i think this is like a valid way to build a company i just haven't gone out and found, I, there was a time where i was like like trolling for products like this but i bet they're more out there i bet there are projects out there right now that you can monetize oh i see um, it all the time somebody's done you have or you do well, I just mean there's there there are projects or repos that have a shit ton of GitHub has stars for people that don't know. Yeah. And that's yeah. like popularity, but they're super popular and they're super confusing. My I was doing a lot of machine learning stuff in my last company, so there are a ton of like machine learning pro projects where there's this great library but you got to kind of know some shit to make it work, right? And just like a, a, a little UI around some open source machine learning model. I swear to God, it's all these pharmaceutical companies that are coming out as pills for dudes that have trouble getting it up. That, that's a company. It's like, another drug. Oh, that's a company. I feel the same way about machine learning models. It's, oh, you want to do like transcription? That's a company. Oh, you want to do translation? Different company. Yeah. Just take these one by one and just go put a thin wrapper, like a thin UI around a machine learning model and go find people that need it. Yeah. The creative, like this whole creator economy is ripe for that sort of thing. If you can find, I think it's getting crowded, but I think there's probably still a lot of opportunity there, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting model for finding viable businesses. And I know we're a bit over time here, but I'd love to just ask one final question, just in terms of finding product market fit is a bear. Finding it once is like a miracle. Finding it twice, maybe it's actually easier the second time around. I don't know, but I'd love to get your thoughts on just building a company the second time around, does it get easier? Did you have some insights with uh, like hacks or tricks? Yeah, this is all top of mind right now, particularly like flipping uh, markets. Like before all we did was B2C or like B2 like prosumer, which is like the hobbyist group. That is such a different market because you're going to do a lot more organic work. You're going to do paid ads. Like user acquisition is ten, tends to be pretty low. It's just a totally different model. And with turnkey, like what we're realizing, it's very direct. Like 
I would say we have product market fit because there are customers coming in and finding us or people we reach out to that are like, hell yeah, like we need this. And then we get them hooked up and they're saving thousands of dollars a month that they weren't saving before. I think the challenge is like B2B is such a timing issue. Like we keep running into this issue of timing. When we started, we thought it would just be like wave where you just get, you get, you get the word out there. Like you have got, you've got a great product. The value prop is there. And what better value prop can you have that, to say, plug this into your software if you're on Stripe, you'll save a thousand bucks next month, $2,000 next month. A lot of people I talk to are saying, um, I don't really have time right now. We got other initiatives or there, there are all these different excuses and objections you encounter with B2B. People that are listening who have B2B companies, like this is the most, I probably sound like the most like naive guy with obvious takeaways here. But when you've been focused on B2C for so long, and you switch and you have something that works. So just like, why is it this selling? This is a great product. And if it was the corollary for B2C, like I think it would be crushing it. Yeah. I think every time you start off some, with something, it's going to be a just a different, like a lot of times it would have been done before if it was obvious, right? Like the market and the product and the business would like, they would be there if, if it was totally obvious. So there are going to be growing pains. I think we realized that with Turnkey. Um, it's also difficult to go from a company that is adding like 50 customers every single day to a company that has, you need to add like one a week. Like it's just a very different cadence, even though one a week is, is great. And maybe the equivalent of what 50 a day were with Wave, it's just a, it's a very different mentality and um, mindset that you have to adopt. Well, thanks so much for your time, Nick. I appreciate your thoughts and non-legal advice. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And <laughs> best of luck with Turnkey. Where can people learn more about you guys? Yeah, you can just go to turnkey.co. That's that's our marketing website, C-H-U-R-N-K-E-Y.co, turnkey.co. And you can also reach out on Twitter. I'm Nick Fogel, N-I-C-K-F-O-G-L. That's my Twitter handle. Um, you can reach out to me directly. My co-founder, Baird Hall, B-A-I-R-D-H-A-L, Baird Hall on Twitter. You can DM either one of us if you're interested in Turnkey or just check out the blog. Would love to, to get your company hooked up. And if any listeners, I'll send you a promo code. So if any listeners uh, want to try it out, you can give them 100% off for a period. Awesome. Thanks, Nick.